возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христово в наших делах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, Веди Его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Евангелие Матфея, глава 5. The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48. A familiar to all of us place of scripture that continues to contain the depths of the unsearchable treasure of Christ that God will be revealing to us eternally and it will never stop his perfection who he is that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so the sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. This is one of the greatest commandments that is the inheritance of all saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. They will not be able to understand the meaning, the essence of this commandment. For them, it will be closed, it will be out of their heart, out of their mind, out of their vision, because their understanding, because the person that they vote for cannot be one that is delegated by God, one who would be able to read or interpret the scriptures. He doesn't have seed in himself, the seed of the word, the seed of the truth, so he could pass it on. He doesn't have the heart of a father. Likely he experiences as a person, but he is subject to the brotherly council and also members of the church that have elected him by the matter of a vote, and they constantly... Uh, 
re, uh, reselect people that would be able to stand on the stage. And this one always has to fight uh, to keep that uh, position in that place. And they will tend him. They will control him. And this is a, uh, this is a virus within a church. This is a plague. And people within such a church are not able to receive the truth that is undamaged. They receive only damaged truth. And because of this damaged truth, they clothe themselves into that. And they don't have a, a complete understanding, although they say that they are the church of the entire gospel. So what is the entire gospel? They meet when they think an entire gospel that's to speak in tongues, to heal, and to evangelize. That is how they explain the entire gospel. But the entire gospel, the fullness of the gospel, is the knowledge of the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. Not when they think elementary, they that means we don't have to pay attention to them. We've repented. We've left those things. And we go to perfection. What perfection? They still don't know. But when it says uh, elementary, that means the governing teaching of Christ. And so clothing ourselves into this teaching or uh, remaining or keeping them, retaining them on ourselves, keeping them with us and clothing ourselves into the fullness of the teaching of Jesus Christ, will we be able to go to perfection, move on or continue on to with uh, to perfection. So it would be like our Heavenly Father to shine our Son on the righteous and unrighteous and our reign upon the righteous and un- unrighteous. And as God sends His Son upon the righteous and unrighteous and reign upon the righteous and unrighteous within, and He does this within the boundaries of His Word, where He hates people that hate Him and loves those who love Him. To love God means to fulfill His commandments. To hate Him means to pervert His commandments, to peddle, to damage them for the benefit of their flesh. As it relates to fulfilling this commanding order to be vigilant over the Word of God within our heart, as God is vigilant over His spoken Word within the temple of our body, again, we say God can be vigilant over a spoken word only within the temple of our body. Because what is written in the word, the Bible, this is a letter that kills. If it is not placed inside of the heart, inside of a person, as a seed of the preached word, the living seed, and there it becomes alive within the heart, In the book itself, it's letter that kills. And so many colleges, institutes uh, of theology that study these scriptures with their mind, they just uh, magnify the wrath that they increase that wrath of God against them. And why? Because he will now try with his intellect to understand, comprehend God's thoughts as if his thoughts are equal to God's thoughts. The scriptures say it clearly that my thoughts are not your thoughts, God says. Understand that my thoughts are greater than yours as heaven and earth. How is it that you are trying, with attempting with your thoughts, your mind, to understand mind, my mind? Uh, the thoughts of God are written in the Bible and it's concealed and it can only be understood 
By listening to the person whom God will reveal his truth to, his apostle, that he will clothe into the authority of a father and he will be able to read, being inspired by the Holy Spirit and pass on this word to the church. And there, uh, where such a structure exists, this is a church of, of Christ. This is the narrow gate. As, so we st uh, stop to study the specific question what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart because the righteousness of God is his justice to hate those who hate God and love those who love God to burn with your son those who hate God and drown with your rains those who hate God and give rain in measure and timely to those who love God and warm with your son those and give life with your son to those who love God and so we stopped to study the purpose of the righteousness of God within our within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law so that in the new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected so that in this way we obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ so that we can provide God with the proper grounds that he needs to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham or his seed before the time of circumcision for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4.13 and God Abraham believed in God and God accounted to to him, this to him as righteousness and circumcision he received afterwards as a seal of righteousness the circumcision is placed this is a, a seal that's placed upon a ready document God circumcise, circumcises the heart of a person with the uh, consent of the person himself God can't circumcise the heart of a person without his consent and a person can't circumcise his heart without God and so this is a collaborative work, a mutual work between God and man to circumcise his heart. And so in scripture, often there are places, and I will circumcise you or circumcise yourselves. You'll see both. God uh, says that, that he will do it, that God has his role, man has his role. Therefore, the covenant of peace in, in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones, his messengers. And so faith of God is information that comes out of the mouth of God. This is the preached word. Faith is from hearing. This is information. This is not emotions. These are not feelings. This is not what I feel, but what I know. We know that we have passed from death to life. I know in whom I have believed. Not I feel in whom I have believed, but I know in whom I in whom I have believed. And so my uh, faith is obedience to the uh, preached word. And so there's a difference between our faith, God's faith. God's faith is the general. Our faith is the soldier that waits for instruction. Waits. Uh, waits until the 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 general sends you lord wherever you send me i will go by what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of god rules within our heart which identifies us as the sons of god and as the most holy to examine your heart as to whether the peace of god is governing in it is possible by the ability 
to be a peacemaker. This characterizes us as the sons of God, as it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. The word blessed <clears throat> is one that's joyful, joyful, blessed, Matthew 5, 9, also written in other uh, books as well. Six signs by which we need to judge our of our belonging to the sons of peace have already been subjects of our study and we stopped to study the seventh and this is our ability to clothe our essence ourselves into the holy or the selective love of God God's love agape is always selective it's holy holy is something that separates one from the other it doesn't love everyone the same it separates the one and the other loves those that are selected from the multitude of the saved. She doesn't love the the whole world. She doesn't even love all the saved, but loves the selected ones from that category because, as Jesus said, there are many who are called, but few are chosen. And so not all have been able to, or wanting to, are desiring or wanting to pay the price. And so you hear the sayings that, oh, well, we'll receive it freely. You don't receive fruits of salvation. God has never given us any promises or blessings in the form of fruit. He gives it to us in the form of seeds so that we can receive it into the good soil of our heart. We can grow it into fruit and then in this fruit we can be clothed with the confessions of our faith. And so this is not explained to men well in other churches and so millions of Christians are marching to hell thinking that they're marching to heaven. And it's not. if that's not enough, they say, we will govern, they say. We will rule. You can't even govern yourself here. Your flesh tells you what to do, and you follow that. You do that. As soon as a person repents, his old person puts on religious garments so that uh, he not be suspicious and begin to resist him, and begins to help him pray, preach, sing, offer, and run wherever... Uh, he, 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 he inspires him to go he doesn't understand that to be uh, to preach the gospel is to be a light and you're a light when you fulfill your calling when you understand that your calling is casting off the old man with his deeds and then renewing your mind and afterwards by the way of our renewed mind using our renewed mind clothe ourselves into our new person. This is the faith of God that is concealed in the heart. When it it is confessed, it begins to clothe us, and we are clothed into it, but we don't yet see maybe results. But in heaven, the result already is there. God sees us perfect, not in the way we are right now. The angels also see us in the perfect form because they aren't looking at the body that we have right now. They look at the word of faith that we are confessing and are clothing ourselves into. And in the time that God will appoint, at the time we live in now, our body will put on incorruption and in the blink of an eye. And why? Because they are already clothed. But the time comes and he'll say, right now, it's, it's, it's to start. Uh, the the beginning of the week and so the start of the week will be our body uh, will put on uh, incorruption that will be the start of the week and the devil not understanding 
he himself is even working uh, in a way that's actually helping the this uh, week uh, come come to pass or come closer to beginning. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. And so if the peace of God will rule, then we will love one another, and we will be thankful we'll be with, within one body. We won't have just specific groups. We won't have clans of any kind. We will all be loving each other individually and not depend on familial ties in any way because we have died for the house of our father. And so our house or the house of our father has, begins to depend on us. Not we depend on the, on the house of our father, but the house of our father depends on us. We talked about this, how to die for your nation while until we die for our nation, we are still dependent on our nation. Until When we die for our nation, then our nation depends on us. Our, the salvation of our nation is in our hands. We die for the house of our Father. Now the house of our Father depends on us. We can pray for it, and God will hear our prayer. We die for our soul. Our soul begins to depend on us. Only now can we save her. Not we now depend on her and do what she wants, but she does what we want. And we in this way save our soul. In Scripture, the holy or selective love of God, agape, is presented in Scripture by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word of the apostles and prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of God, his qualities, his characters, characteristics of his heart. And these are the unchanging virtues of the, and qualities also of the Son of God and the Holy Spirit, as well as the good wife and every person who is a partaker of the good wife who has the narrow gate. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. <coughs> And so these components, when we grow them in ourselves, then they are the door into the kingdom of heaven. Specifically, these components make us a partaker of God's divine nature. They are united one and the other. You can't look at them separately without the other one you, they, because they identify themselves in, in the other one and they also support the truthful nature of the other. In a specific format of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of God within our heart, we have already studied five characteristics and have been studying the sixth. This is the calling to demonstrate brotherly love in the love of God agape, to demonstrate in your, in your faith the power of brotherly love that is consistent of God's love agape. Having this great and noble component in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. 
and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3.14.15 Possibly someone will say, well, I, I repented, I love my brothers. We love our brothers. What does it mean when it says brothers? Do you not need to love the sisters, but just the brothers? The thing is, when it says brothers, it means a person who has grown into full measure of growth in Christ and become a, a, a man in this situation, whether it be a man or a woman or a, a young girl or young boy. It, 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 gender is not uh, relevant here. Uh, it doesn't mean a man or a woman physically, but a person who has grown into full measure of growth in Christ. An infant in Christ Jesus is not able to love the brothers. Why? Because he doesn't know how to love them. He doesn't know what good is or what evil is. He can't differentiate the Holy Spirit or the work of the Holy Spirit from the work of the spirit of deception. He's not able. He is stumbling. He is attracted by various winds of doctrine. A person who should have already left spiritual infancy, they fall into a situation where they now resist everything spiritual, doesn't understand it, doesn't uh, love it, and can't naturally love the brothers. They will love only those who are like him upon the condition that this one that's like him will listen to him. If the one that's like him will not listen to him, he won't love him either. This person that is carnal that is with a controlling spirit will like those who only only those who listen to him or obey him he doesn't understand what love is love is fulfilling god's commandments to love your brethren upon the condition uh, within the boundaries of the elementary teaching of christ this doesn't mean give them what they want but give them what the scriptures say and no more and no less when a person ages, he begins to demand a specific respect toward himself. I'm talking about carnal people in the world and, and, and in churches as well. They become literally as infants, but not as infants that can listen to the parents. They become very uh, difficult, and, and and you need to now behave with them as little kids, little children, and then you do things that you find necessary instead of what they want, and this is according to Scripture, but if you satisfy all of their demands, then this will not be according or within the boundaries of Scripture. Our sermon, of course, is not about that, but it's an example. As in the previous components of the virtue of God and His unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven forms of virtue that identify the character of the Heavenly Father, his the qualities of His heart, <clears throat> it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we receive power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith? Because this will be the power of the Holy Spirit. It is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit so we may have the power 
of brotherly love. And yeah, what conditions? And so in a specific format, we already looked at these three first questions and stopped to study question four. By what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith? We already studied the first five signs by which we need to judge that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith and stop to study the sixth sign. And this is the ability to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving, because you already have a response, and Jesus Christ has responded. God has responded to all of our requests and has placed them upon our account in Jesus Christ. All that is needed in this life with thanksgiving, that is to take it from your account that is placed upon, placed there, that God has put there, what God wants to give us. We already have this. That's why you need to open it up with thanksgiving. And that's why you need to not be anxious for anything, but in prayer, God can't give us anything, of course, if we don't ask by with faith or by faith. And by faith means we know what we're asking for, that it's according to His will, and we believe in it. Philippians 4, 5 through 7. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Your gentleness be known to all men. As it is known to all men means that gentleness has the ability of the sun to be a light. And so if we don't have this gentleness, we will not be able to be a light for the world. And this is the form of meekness, gentleness. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand means that you by this time already should have then this gentleness, this meekness, and it should be known to all men. Be anxious for nothing. This means that if your gentleness is known to all men, then you will not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Because you know what you need, what God wants to give to you today. You will know and you will fulfill God's desires, His will. Which, uh, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Because it's important to understand the kind of thoughts a person has is who he is. And if his thoughts in Christ Jesus are in Christ Jesus, God will keep him. And if they're not in Christ Jesus, then such a person can't be saved unless God gives him repentance before death and he will be saved in, as, a, as a form of mercy. Philippians 4, 5 through 7. We have noted that in the given place of Scripture, the character of the fruit of the Spirit revealing itself in the quality of gentleness or meekness by the means by which we are able to discipline our tongue, by the truth that is concealed within our heart, is contrary to the character of the work of the flesh that reveals itself in disobedience to the truth or not believing the truth. Galatians 5, 19 through 24. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. This is talking about the people in the church. This is not about people in the world. Uh, Look at what was happening in the first church. It just was formed, and 
people were in it that already had these kinds of characteristics, they would present the works of the flesh as good work, of which I tell you beforehand, pretty much I warn you about, just as I had told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so gentleness will be within all of these qualities, just as love, joy, will uh, show itself within the other qualities as well. We're talking specifically about gentleness here, but... And the scriptures say, if we don't, if we have such a fruit of spirit, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 5, 19 through 24. So if they are Christ, they have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires, and it has no more control over them. The crucified upon the cross flesh, the old self can't uh, try to take control upon the of the body to be crucified upon the cross is to experience God's wrath upon yourself. And we we called upon uh, the wrath of God upon our old self. And when God's wrath comes, God places us into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our old self remains outwardly, as it were. It is subject to God's wrath, but we and we remain in the death of the Lord Jesus. God will not preserve the old self or old nature within the death of Jesus Christ. And so symbolically, the flood uh, and the ark is a symbol of Christ, and so outside there was God's wrath, and it was uh, slamming against the the ark. Jesus put himself, put us into himself, and we we sense, we feel the wrath, uh, because when this ark was being tossed, uh, upon the heights of the uh, mountains and the waves and it was fu- fu- fully encircled by water in every way and there was just one small little window at the top. Practically the ability of a gentle or meek person to not be anxious about anything when it comes to his well-being on earth is contrary to the preoccupations and, exi- and anxieties of a man who is not able to be disciplined And so, when we're talking about this, we're talking about a mouth that is disciplined. This doesn't mean that your mouth is silent. That means that your mouth confesses or speaks in accordance to the Word of God, in accordance to the covenant, to be disciplined by His Word. God God Himself disciplined Himself with His Word. And the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit also disciplined themselves uh, with the Word. The Son of God has disciplined Himself by the words that came out of the mouth of the Father and the Holy Spirit also. And they are all, they all have this quality of meekness and gentleness. They are servants of God's Word that come out of the mouth of God. And the Heavenly Father Himself has clothed Himself into the form of a servant of His Word. And so the virtue of a servant is the greatest uh, rank in heaven. This is the lowest rank on earth, but it's the greatest rank in heaven because they clothe themselves with the Word of God. 
A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 A wholesome tongue is the result of a groan in the Eden of our heart, tree of life, that bears fruit 12 times a year. It's a symbol of the kingdom of heaven within, within us, that we have grown from the seed into the fruit of the tree of life. Anxiety leading to the breaking of the spirit, independent of the death of the Lord Jesus, are genetic bonds of the fear of man that a person is bound with who has not grown the fruit of gentleness in the soil of their good heart, with which he is called to discipline his mouth, and this discipline will determine whether he demonstrates the power of brotherly love in his faith. Therefore, anxiety or preoccupation that it that is a person who receives salvation in the seed of justification one who has received the seed in the form of a seed uh, but hasn't grown it and when he doesn't grow it it is then a result of his hard heart which is identical to something occult that is contrary to the liberty of Christ which is contained in the truth of the preached word which is called to free us from the slavery of sin and so you hear saying says I have my own Bible I have my own mind I don't understand things like this he won't come to the service as a student but as an inspector there was a woman she isn't here anymore she says I always check I check what he's reading do you think that I will incorrectly be reading the word of the Bible? Uh, and so when I read, I read correctly. So these things are not fitting. Anxiety is testimony of the absence of the fruit of gentleness in the spirit of man, which indicates that he does not have good soil in his heart because he refuses to clean it from dead works. And so the most striking thing is that this anxiety is considered by men of the flesh to be a form of spiritual expression or demonstration. <clears throat> this can be clearly seen when you compare the definitions of these two words which are contrary one to another, contrary to in character and origin, anxiety and, gent and gentleness. And so anxiety, preoccupation demonstrating itself in anxiety is disobedience, unbelief, disobeying the, f the faith of God, an undisciplined tongue by the, to by the bonds of gentleness, something occult, a hard heart, a net of the evil one that a person catches himself into. This is the path of death. The nets or traps of the evil one is when a person says, I don't understand things like this, or he, wa he wants to interpret with his mind. He is weaving this net of the devil <coughs> that he's catching himself into. Gentleness that shows itself <clears throat> in a disciplined tongue is the tree of life that is grown in the soil of our heart, the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, wisdom, strength, hardness, and the power of the Spirit, trust upon God, mercy, <clears throat> in mercifulness and compassion for your neighbor, the net of the kingdom of heaven that we catch ourselves into. 
Anxiety in demonstrating disobedience to the order contained in the body of Christ members a person to the category of lawless men, which resist the truth of the preached word and try to clothe the work of the flesh into garments of an outward appearance of godliness. At the same time, the gentleness of the heart, which makes itself known in a gentle or meek mouth, is an identification of the fruit of the Spirit, testifying of the presence of the grown tree of life within the spirit of man. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 The presence of the fruit of gentleness in a man is testimony that this person is clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ, which gives him the ability to resist the words which come from his personal flesh. This is so that he can open his mouth for confession of the faith of God that abides within his heart, not what the flesh wants or desires, but what we have concealed in our heart, the truth of the word of God about ourselves, who God is for me, what he's done for me, who I am to him, and not what I feel, or what is happening around me. I don't confess the circumstances that are around me. I don't confess the illnesses that I have. Job was covered with with, with different uh, illnesses and but he says, <clears throat> he said, my Redeemer lives, and in the last day he will repair my, my broken body. <clears throat> and no one else but me, myself, I will see this. That is, <clears throat> that is how we need to confess the promise that we receive, that we ourselves with our eyes will see our incorrupt body, not someone else, but we ourselves. And so the presence of the fruit of gentleness in a man, I want to repeat, is testimony that this person is clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ, the mantle of a student of Christ, which gives him the ability to resist the words which come from his personal flesh. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11:28-30. Looking at these words, we can see that Jesus is the Son of Man. To become gentle, as his tongue to become gentle, <clears throat> he needed to learn from his Father. He needed to learn from his Father as the Father disciplined himself with his own words that come out of his mouth. He behaves only within the boundaries of his words. And so it's useless asking God for things that are not in accordance to his words. He will fulfill only what is in his word when it will be in our mouth as the faith of God that's in our heart. At the same time, the presence of anxiety within the soul of man is testimony revealing the work of the flesh in a man. It is from such people that you should turn away so that we do not waste what we have been working on so that we can inherit the kingdom of heaven and the fruit of the tree of life which is grown by us in the Eden of our heart. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, uh, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. <clears throat> it's incredible 
having these characteristics, they will be clothing all of these characteristics into godliness. As you will see, uh, people who go uh, uh, to karaoke and other places, uh, they uh, see pastors and other brothers and members of the church who betray their, their husbands' wives there, uh, and then they come the next service on Sunday with a Bible in hand and preach. And it's terrible. Well, you say, well, this is not possible. It's maybe somewhere, but not within our area. There are people that are Pentecostal, Baptists, Charismatic <clears throat> people. I'm not telling you specific people, but people have come to me and they're not pastors, but those were under the pastors that were in those places and that also did the things that the, the others were doing. And because there was no confession in their churches, they wanted an appointment with me and upon in this and so they would they would uh, confess I, I commit fornicating works, I betray my wife, my husband. And so it's terrible and it's happening uh, within the church. And so when they come to the to church, they put on this uh, form of godliness, but there's no power there. And so the scriptures say from such people turn away. What I read right now is the character characteristic of anxious people who refuse to acknowledge that this is <clears throat> that they are bound with chains of uh, their personal corrupt desires, which they clothe into garments of pseudo-godliness so they not lose their significance and their self-ego, and to test ourselves on the presence of gentleness within ourselves, which demonstrates itself in trust upon God and upon His Word, in waiting for the occurrence of salvation for our body, it is necessary in brotherly love to pay attention to one phrase of the being studied by his text, by which we can differentiate gentleness from undiscipline and wisdom from stupidity. This is by our ability to make our desires known to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, which in essence are the desires of God. <clears throat> and so to open up your desires, but the desires need to be God's desires. Our desires are crucified upon the cross. Our soul with all of its desires, corrupt desires are crucified. And so our desires now are God's desires. Our will is now God's will. And we intentionally have uh, denied our will for the benefit, for the sake of God's will. And so God's will has taken control of our mind, our feelings, and we want to fulfill God's will, as Jesus said of himself, to only fulfill your will, Father. <clears throat> this is how the phrase sounds, and everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The more accurate version will sound like this, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, open up your desire to fulfill the will of God, which contains our purpose and our calling. Thanksgiving for the promise which is placed by God upon our account in Jesus Christ that we have concealed within our heart so that we can fulfill the will of God which contains our calling is a format of such praise 
where we are obeying our faith to the faith of God, count ourselves dead to sin and living for God, proclaim the not-existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existent. It is specifically by the presence of a thankful heart that with thanksgiving opens up its, opens up its desires in prayer to fulfill God's will is how we determine that we have in ourselves the existence of the fruit of gentleness. Upon practice, to bring an offering of praise to God means count yourself dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not existent of Christ as existent, because the fire of God's favor can come down upon us when we are presenting our body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God in our praise, which provides God with the foundation He needs to show and confirm His salvation for us. Whoever offers praise glorifies Me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Psalm 50:23. Here it clearly says that those people that count themselves saved are not saved because they receive the seed of salvation, a, a format of guarantee. To him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. This means that if we come to God, we are called to bring to God an offering of praise and walk, watch our path so we not walk away from this path to the right or left. These are the ways of the Lord, the ways of the commandments of the Lord, His statutes. When it comes to God, showing His salvation means become a guarantee for man for fulfilling His calling from the enemy that attempts and pursues. In the given promise, God has taken responsibility for making our salvation a reality. If we will honor Him with an offering of praise, and will be prudent in our way, that our way be in accordance with the demands of God or the way of righteousness. And so that our offering of praise would honor God, it is necessary that it be in accordance with the demands of an acceptable to God offering, where a person can present God evidence to the right to bring him an offering of praise where he specifies the will of God. And, of course, this is that he is a priest, that he's been growing to full, full measure of growth in Christ, that he has the virtue of a, a king, priest, and prophet, and here he specifies the will of God for which he thanks God. He specifies what he is asking for, God's will, and he thanks God that God has already placed it upon his account, the response that, that the response has been given. Otherwise, as it is and sometimes happens, the so-called offering of praise, instead of honoring God and in this way activate His mercy for us and His favor, a person will instead be demonstrating his disobedience to God and His Word. Possibly he will be demonstrating or speaking of God's will, but if this will of God is not grown from seed into fruit and is not confessed in the form of fruit of a spirit, then God will perceive it as idle words, as an offense against him. What right does a person have uh, to say things that he doesn't actually have or is not what when he doesn't have the right yet he doesn't have the right to enter into God's presence considering the importance of the discipline of praise that for the nominal part Christians consider praise that is separate from the so-called format of worship 
where the element of holiness is absent by offering yourself a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. We talked about this, that praise can't be separate from worship and worship from praise. There's no song of worship separately from the song of praise. They exist only in a damaged mind and no other place. Such a praise according to the prophecy of prophet Isaiah is not acceptable to God and that is why so that we not offend God with our praise it is necessary for us to remember in a specific format by uh, what praise is how do we bring this uh, praise and we already studied the first sign of praise I will remind us of it the legitimacy of beautiful or and fitting praise to God is identified as an inherited right that belongs exclusively to the lines of the sons of Aaron which consists in demonstrating the perfection of God who called us from darkness into his marvelous light by the sign of which we can judge that we have the atmosphere of brotherly love in our faith praise the Lord for it is good to sing praise to our God for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful Psalm 147.1, which indicates the fact that beautiful or fitting praise is the power of a warrior in prayer to the right to be a king, priest, and prophet, which is possible when a person, by being instructed in the faith, grows into the measure of fullness of growth in Christ. And this can happen when his justification that he received in the format of a guarantee will be turned by him to profit in the death of the Lord Jesus so that in the resurrection of Christ he can receive it in the fruit of righteousness as his own possession second the legitimacy of beautiful and fitting praise is a specific identification of the kingdom of heaven in man by the sign of which we need to judge that we have the presence of the atmosphere of brotherly love in our faith behold you desire truth in the inward part and in the hidden part you will make me no wisdom, Psalm 51, 6, in the given place of Scripture, it is referring to such a nature of truth that can only abide in the heart of a person that is born from the seed of the word of truth and who has grown into full measure of growth in Christ, which identifies then the kingdom of heaven in his heart within the boundaries of which God then receives a legitimate basis to demonstrate his wisdom within the revelations of the Holy Spirit. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Ezekiel 36, 26-28 God gave to our fathers an incorrupt body. They are right now with with Christ, with their incorrupt bodies. Because together with Him, they had already resurrected uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our fathers. They are they have this incorrupt body, glorified body. This was the first sheaf. A new heart and new spirit are the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven, identified within our heart as the bond of all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which are contained in the elementary teaching of Christ. Therefore, within the boundaries of the commandments and statutes is one of the components of beautiful, acceptable praise, which testifies of the abiding of the kingdom of heaven within us. 
If a person does not walk within the boundaries of the commandments and statutes, then his praise can't be called an acceptable praise. In this way, by the presence of the collaboration of the truth in our heart that is concealed within our heart with the revelations of the Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning of the given truth is how we can examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith that moves us from the state of death into the state of life. <clears throat> Third, the legitimacy of beautiful and fitting praise is identified by the presence of God who is enthroned in the praises of Israel, where he makes himself known and where he becomes an intercessor of our trust and our salvation by the sign of which we can judge that we have the atmosphere of brotherly love in our faith. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I am and I am not silent. The reason, because God doesn't live within cries. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, because God, it's already been put upon our account, it's there. But you're holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel, amongst the praises of warriors in prayer. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. Psalm 22, 1 through 5. In the given prayer dialogue of David and God, we've more than once noted the following moments. First, having within your heart an organic membership to the praises of Israel amongst which God dwells. God lives in the midst of such a church that is enlightened and knows who God is for her, what, what God has done for her, and who she is for God. And she thanks God for who He is for her and what He's done. And amongst this praise, in the midst of such a church, is where God lives. And we need to have a membership to such a church. Not when people fall on their knees and begin to uh, shout and cry, God, show mercy, God, give me mercy. But when people get on their knees and, and begin to thank God, thank you, Lord, that it, even though I fall, I remain righteous because I receive justification, by the not by the law of works, but by the law of faith, because this was your work, you justified me. And although I fall, I remain righteous. And... I confess my fall and I rise again and I rise again. This is Thanksgiving when you don't have this frustration and and the the discomfort not being able to lift your face to God and the continual uh, feel of guilt. The, this uh, the absence of these things. The, this is how the warrior of prayer needs to be. Upon practice, this means that our prayer praise needs, uh, our prayer that is in praise needs to be linked to the genealogy of Israel and serve as an organic member to the trust of the fathers of Israel. And so we need to trust upon God and His word, just as our fathers trusted Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob trusted. Second, a prayer cry that continues day and night remains unanswered until it includes beautiful praise. <clears throat> or fitting praise, bringing your praises to God. A prayer cry which is diluted with praise is an identification and evidence of the fact that you have trust in God and upon His Word that our fathers trusted in. 
Therefore, the absence of beautiful and acceptable praise in our prayer cry is evidence that a person refuses to trust upon God, which is why such a prayer offering dishonors God. Here is why similar similar forms of prayer nature of prayer will never be heard by God because in these prayers there is an absence of a membership to the praises of Israel, to be a part of these praises of Israel. thanking him that he has given you everything to live a life of righteousness, godliness, that you uh, receive this justification in the form of seed and you will receive it in the form of fruit, which will testify of the state of a righteous heart, which testifies before God that we trust upon the word as our fathers did. The legitimacy of such a fitting or acceptable praise consists in a person thanking God for those promises that God has promised and that he has concealed within his heart and waits with patience until God fulfills them for him. In this way, it is specifically by the presence of being a member to these praises of Israel within your heart where we find trust upon the word of God that our fathers trusted in that we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith which moves us from the state of death to the state of eternal life. And if we are already in life, if we love our brethren. Fourth, the legitimacy of beautiful and fitting praise is identified by walking prudently when we go into the house of God for unified worship and uh, worshiping of God, by the side of which we need to judge that we have the atmosphere of brotherly love in our faith. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they do that they do evil. And so, draw near to hear means draw near to obey, to hear, to, to obey, rather than, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. Ecclesiastes 5.1 Our way that we are called to be prudent on is, determ- is a determination and direction to the goal of the greater call in Christ Jesus, which is called to make uh, itself known in our body in the stronghold of eternal life which is erected in place of the stronghold of death. Such a direction to the goal is identified in Scripture as the boundary of our responsibility or our calling, which consists of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. We need to carry responsibility for the promised land, which is our body. That we need to, collaborating with God, adopt by the redemption of Christ. Therefore, the essence of walking prudently is the ability to judge yourself in identifying the goals of your calling consisting of erecting the stronghold of an incorruption in your body. And such prudence in your walk is a preamble or preparation for bringing an offering of praise. Because you are just coming, you're preparing yourself, you haven't yet begun uh, praising God. This elevates our praise then to the status of legitimacy as refusal to be prudent in your walk or your path when you go to the house of prayer for a unified praise is refusal to carry the responsibility that God has placed on us or losing your virtue and your place in the body of Christ. In scripture, one of the components of our righteousness consists of fulfilling our calling which is preserving your virtue identified as your place in the church of saints where God has placed us and from the position of which we would be able to cast off the old man with his deeds so that we can renew our mind by the spirit of our mind. And after that, by the power of our renewed mind, begin the process of clothing our body into incorruption that is into our new person. 
At the same time, as one of the components of wickedness is leaving your church or refusing to fulfill your role in demonstrating your faith in the, in the power of brotherly love, which moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. When a person of their own free will abandons their place where he would have been able to fulfill his calling and demonstrate brotherly love in, our, in his faith, the offering of praise that he brought to God does not gain the favor of God then, but rather prompts his wrath. As according to the statements of Scripture, only a righteous person who performs righteousness by being prudent in their walk or path uh, to the house of God or those who hold on to and keep their place within the body of Christ, for them it is good to praise and glorify the Lord, and in this way they demonstrate brotherly love in their faith. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Psalm 33.1 In the given verse, beautiful means legitimate, acceptable, worthy, fitting, and wonderful. If our praise happens without an organic membership to our place in the body of Christ, which is our church, that is the good wife, and there is an absence of the specification of promises for which we praise God, then this serves as evidence of our uncleanness, and our praise cannot be in any way called beautiful, in this case fitting or worthy. As it is written, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Psalm 147.1 Beautiful or fitting praise in the situation, one that is in accordance to the demands of the holiness of God, separated from evil, not associated with disobedience, placing yourself in dependence of the revelations of God, praying in accordance with the demands of time, retaining or keeping your place within the body of Christ, drawing God's favor upon yourself. This is praise that draws God's favor upon us. Therefore, praise that is demonstrated in a prayer request with thanksgiving. This is our collaboration with the promises of God, which provide Him with the foundation that He needs to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 6, 7. In this way, the ability to be prudent in your walk when you go into the house of God is how we need to examine ourselves, that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith, which moves us from the state of death into the state of eternal life. Fifth, the legitimacy of beautiful and fitting praise is determined by observing mercy, justice, and trust upon God, by the sign of which we need to judge that we have the atmosphere of brotherly love in our faith. Hosea 12.5.6 That is the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is His memorable name. Yahweh is His name, in other words. So you, by the help of your God, return, observe mercy and justice, and wait on your God continually. In any situation, whether you gain something, lose something, when uh, death may face you, don't be afraid, continue to trust in God. But to trust in God, to have this power of trust, you need to turn to God, and we know how to turn to God, bring your tithes into the storehouse. And after that, <clears throat> then you can uh, observe mercy and justice and so mercy toward the vessels of mercy and not vessels of wrath. 
and to observe mercy and justice again. Our justice needs to be as God's justice is. It needs to shine upon the righteous and unrighteous as God does. We need to love those who are righteous and hate those who are unrighteous. Identifying the essence of fitting praise, we note that it is in, it, it is in the components that it has are not exhaustive in the praise of our mouth. And if we're praising God, but at the same time are not observing mercy, justice, and trust upon God, our praise cannot in any way be called beautiful or fitting praise. You can sing and praise God, but if you don't have the components of you turning to God, you, you, you've, you've turned back to God, turned your face to God, honored Him with tithes and offerings, began to bless vessels of mercy, and distance yourself from vessels of wrath. You became representatives of justice, the written word, and began to perform or speak God's justice against those who are wicked and lawless, God will then keep you and will fulfill what He has promised you. This will be the fitting praise that He needs. In Hebrew, beautiful or fitting praise in the works of the verb observe when it comes to mercy and justice means keep yourself from idols so that you can provide God with legitimate grounds to demonstrate His mercy and His justice to you. It is by the ability to turn to God so that you can observe mercy and justice is how you need to examine yourself as to whether you are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, which moves us from death to life. I thank God for all of you that we all together honor God with our tithes and offerings. This is evidence that we are turned, we have turned our face to God and that we can uh, observe mercy and justice. Sixth, the legitimacy of beautiful and fitting praise in being a member to praises of Israel is determined by the power that is established by the Holy Spirit, the power we are clothed into by the gift of of the grace of God in the format of the fruit of righteousness by the sign of which we need to judge that we have the atmosphere of brotherly love in our faith that brings us from the state of death to the state of eternal life. Your God has commanded you strength. Strengthen, O God, what you have done for us. Psalm 68:28. God has commanded you strength. You know that God commands, that means He's placed upon your account. But if we will not establish this with our mouth, confirm it with our mouth, it will not become our possession. Knowing this, a person of God says, <clears throat> establish what you have done for us. God gives salvation, but we need to ask, Lord, establish, confirm this salvation for us, and how can He do this? He will give to us the ability to build ourselves into a house of God, and the king of Tyre sent his masons and builders to David, if you remember, and they built a house for David, and David understood that God had established him as king. When we understand that we have everything to live a life that uh, that is godly and righteous, and we can build ourselves into a, a spiritual house, and that in the spiritual house, you have all of the vessels and all of the required components and items that are supposed to be there. By this, we will know that we are with the Lord, that the Lord has commanded us strength, and He has confirmed it. Prayer in praise, demonstrated in all of its formats, 
where you are not stating who God is for you in Jesus Christ, what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, and who you are to God in Jesus Christ, is not able to claim the right to be called a beautiful or fitting to God praise. How will God confirm this by the fruit of our mouth, by our confessions? When you say, confirm this for me, Lord, you say, okay, I've, I want you to confirm it. I've given it to you. What do I need to do? I need to begin saying, Lord, thank you that you are my God and I am your son, your daughter. Thank you for the pro- all the promises that you have given to me and I put them in my heart. I keep them as a great treasure. I grow them into the fruits of righteousness. Pay attention to these things. I love your commandments. I love your statutes. I walk according to your commandments and your statutes. I reject the desires of my flesh and the desire of of the flesh of any other person, and I love you. When we begin to say this, this is praise. That is acceptable. That is fitting. In Hebrew, the power of the Holy Spirit implies the might and strength of the new covenant within our heart. The might and strength of the new covenant within our heart. The new covenant is the bond. He has made a bond with us by the by the covenant, and we are in one sheaf together with God. Covenant is when the hit that is supposed to be against us will be uh, on God. Anytime someone wants to uh, strike or hit someone who has a covenant with God, uh, it will fo- fall upon God. If someone speaks a terrible thing, a word against his righteous one, he first speaks it against God. A hurtful word or so we understand what it's referring to here. This is the might and strength of the new covenant within our heart. The kingdom of heaven that abides within us. The truth in the heart which contains the commandments and statutes. The heavenly fight or battle confessing the faith of God. When I confess with my within my mouth, there's a heavenly uh, fight happening because I confess God's faith that is concealed within my heart. The undamaged truth, the armor for our fight or battle, the, re- the wealth of the grace of God, the abilities of the grace of God, the power to the right to stand upon all power of the enemy. This is what the power that is referring to the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, identifying the power of the Holy Spirit in us consists in our ability to receive the revelations of the Holy Spirit, which open the power of the Word of God, which is concealed within our heart, in the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. Therefore, confirming the power of the Holy Spirit in fitting praise can happen by collaborating the wisdom of the Holy Spirit with the reasonable abilities of our sacred person that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ. The Holy Spirit will only work with the reasonable abilities of our new person, our sacred person, that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ. Until it is grown into the full measure of growth in Christ, the Holy Spirit can't collaborate with him because he won't understand who is collaborating with him. He can <coughs> receive <coughs> he can receive the evil spirit as the Holy Spirit because he won't know the difference. And so furthermore, when our sacred person 
that has grown at full measure of growth in Christ collaborates with the Holy Spirit and then our mind works in turn with our gentle mouth that is disciplined by the truth that is concealed within our heart. As we say, there are three horses are spirit receiving the revelation from the Holy Spirit works with our renewed mind and then our renewed mind works with our mouth and so they all have one goal and three functions thought, word, and action thoughts, words, and actions and they have different functions but pursue one goal I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine, the sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. And see what she says. I ca- counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all the judges of the earth. Here, of course, it's talking about us together, not actual kings. It's not talking about Biden or or any of the other leaders or Putin. It's not talking about these kings. It's talking about kings that rule over their body. This is the spirit of goodness. He he rules. He rules within the boundaries of their responsibility and judges within the boundaries of his responsibility. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me riches and honor are with me enduring riches and righteousness my fruit is better than gold yes than fine gold and my revenue than choice silver and so again we see here the wisdom can't collaborate with uh, kings of the earth I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth that I may fill their treasuries the Lord possesses me at the beginning of his way before his works of old I have been established from everlasting from the beginning before there was ever an earth Proverbs 8 12 through 23 when there was no depth I was brought forth when there was no fountains abounding with water before the the mountains were settled before the hills I was brought forth while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of of the world when he prepared the heavens I was there when he drew a circle on the face of the deep when he established the clouds above when he strengthened the fountains of the deep when he assigned to the sea its limits this is everything that's happening inside of us. This is not talking about the earth that we living that we are living upon. This is talking about our body that God has made His house. That this is in us. We have a heaven, a earth. When He established the clouds above, when He strengthened the fountains of the deep, when He assigned to the sea its limits, so that the waters would not transgress His command, so that our emotional self would not transgress His commands. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, 
then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Proverbs 8, 12 through 31. And so, and my delight was with the sons of men. And so when uh, he created all of this, he created all of this in the sons of men. They were that earth. In them did he establish the heights of the of the of the clouds, the 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 boundaries that he when we put these statutes of God into ourselves and we know what we can do or can't do. We place uh, uh, limits to our emotions, for our emotions, and we command them what they should or shouldn't do or can or can't do. We need to know well that the power of the Holy Spirit has one specific goal for us, and that is that we go and conquer or overtake the land of our body that God with an oath promised to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember the Lord your God, that your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know that what was in your heart, the wilderness of sanctification. He put, he drew, he brought you through sanctification to humble you and test you. But it is us who humble ourselves. God cr- creates the, the circumstance in sanctification to test you and to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. So He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and, f- and fed you with manna, which you do not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your feet swell these forty years, <clears throat> you know that in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a land that is good, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive tree and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of those hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not your God by not keeping his commandments or his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which you were were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty thirsty land where there was no water who who brought water for you out of the flinty rocks who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end then you say in your heart my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. 
Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 18. In this way, it is specifically by the ability to clothe, be clothed into the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can overtake the promise to us by God's land, which is our body, is how we need to examine ourselves that we have demonstrated the power of brotherly love in our faith, which moves us from the state of death to the state of life. This is an incredible place of scripture and promise that we don't have time to really break out every single uh, Uh, every single part of it, but I believe we will do so when God will allow. Let us now bend our knees and pray. And all those who want to resist their lust, their passions, fear of the world, illnesses, death, hunger, whatever fear you may have, God wants to pull you out of the state of suffering so that you be people who praise God because he lives within the praises of Israel he's enthroned in the praises of Israel and so when we begin to praise God for who he is for us what he's done for us then he easily will forgive your trespasses because he already forgave them in Jesus Christ we just need to accept that forgiveness let us pray we wait for you here at the altar for this reason, you need to confess your sins before God's face and He will cleanse us from all sin and will free us from the fear of all illness. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is faithful to his words independent of what you may feel God is faithful to his words and as you have understood your sin and you have come out here so that the Lord can lift you up again and again right now your eyes are closed this is your secret room where God will work. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you again and again. I open up my heart, my mouth, and they speak what's in my heart. I believe in your words that you have put into my heart. I love you even though I fall I continue to love you I want to fulfill your commandments 
I believe in the power that you've given me. May it be confirmed so that I can break the chains of sin, chains of fear. May your mercy come upon me and your favor heal my heart and may your balm be poured upon my wounds. Restore me and I will be restored. Justify me and I will be justified. I accept your justification, your restoration. I accept my righteousness in Jesus Christ and I will not give it to anyone ever because you are my God and I am your child. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May you stand upon the neck of your enemy, and may you see victory in your heart. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May it be fulfilled upon you and your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. Blessed is the Lord who lives and is enthroned in the praises of Israel, enthroned in the praises of warriors in prayer who have allowed God to grow them into the full measure of growth in Christ so that they can be clothed into virtues of kings, priests, and prophets and be intercessors for the adoption of their body by the redemption of Christ and be a light of Christ representing His Son and be His clouds filled with His moisture pouring out water according to His will as a favor for one and as punishment for the other. Let us finish our service with our manifestation. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen